Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Excited about today, uh, the message today. We prayerfully will wrap this, this sermon up that we've been going on for now three weeks. Um, but I, I, I'm excited about it, but at the same time, uh, I, I, it's, a, it's a reality check. And I hope that that's what we get this morning because it, it, it hopefully will uh, bring to surface um, some urgency in our lives. And uh, I think that's, in, in many, many Christians today, especially in America, I think that's what's lacking uh, in our lives for the kingdom of God is, is that urgency. Um, and so uh, the, the, I'm going to remind you if you haven't been here uh, or give you the information if you haven't been here. If you have been here, remind you. Point number one, you have your notes. They're already filled out. Point number one is this. We looked at the motive of the heart. It's important to realize that God, that's what God's interested in. Uh, God's interested in where our heart is because you, know, you can do all kinds of things for, for the church and for the kingdom of God. But if your heart's not right, it's just going to burn up. I mean, you've got to have the right heart. Um, uh, and, and in the same way, somebody says, well, God knows my heart. I don't have to do all these things for him. He knows where my heart is. And the truth is this. He does know where your heart is. And when we have something on our heart, that's what we do. That's why Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's, it's what's in our heart that, that, that motivates us. That, you know, I, I've said before, you do what you want to do. That's the truth, right? If you, if you want to go to that game, if you want to do that thing, if that's your hobby, if that's your activity, if, if you want to be at your kid's stuff, or if you want to say, you do what you want to do, what's in your heart to do. That's the truth. And so when we look at our lives, we've got to understand that we're motivated by something. God wants us to be motivated by love. That's what he's interested in. He wants us to be motivated by love for him, first and foremost, and love for one another, just as he's loved us. And so uh, we've got to keep that in check. When we're living our lives, do, am, I, am I living with the right motivation? Am I being motivated by love? Am I being motivated with the right motive every day of my life? And again, it's real easy to get sidetracked and distracted and, and, and miss that mark, uh, but we've got to make sure that that's, that's what is motivating us is love. The second thing we saw is the investment of the life. And the reason why I put it in there is because that's what was invested to us, is an investment of the life. It's, it's life, absolutely, but I wanted that to stand out because we have no life. There is no life apart from Jesus Christ. There, there is, there, there's only death. Um, and so that is what was imparted to us. It was given to us at the very beginning. And when God, the Bible says that God took Adam, who had formed from the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. He was a dead soul before, became a living soul at that point in time. We realize sin comes along and breaks that. Sin introduced death. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 5, that one man's sin, death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. And so we, we realize that since that time that sin entered in with Adam and Eve, that sin has been in mankind's heritage. The Bible says that we are condemned already, that we are we are all dying. But the hope is this, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, shall not die, but have everlasting life. 
And so again, we see that God so loved us that he invested in the very beginning. He invested his only son. He invested life. Again, Jesus comes on earth and says this in John chapter 14. We'll see that again this morning. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And so again, two very important points. The motive of, of the heart, we've got to keep that in check in our life. we also got to make sure that we, we see the investment of the life. We, we looked at this widow uh, that Jesus observed uh, casting in her money. There were these rich people casting in out of their abundance, and we saw a widow casting in out of, the Bible says, her penury or her poverty. Two mites. Jesus said that she's cast in more than all of them combined. That this, this, this poor widow who, who had lost everything and had nothing gave everything. And that's what we, we learned from her. She had this invested life in her. She realized God had given to her. Regardless that she was a, a widow, regardless that she was poor, regardless of her circumstances, she was all alone. She was a social downcast. She gave her all. And I believe that she saw it as she was. She, she realized what was really and truly given to her and understood it's all God's anyways. It's always been God's. Blessings from God, just like her husband was as she was living on this earth who passed away. And, and again, now she's all alone. She realized that husband was a blessing from God. It's the same heart set that we saw last week that Job had when he said this in Job chapter 1, verse 21. It says, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's, that's hard for us to get in this life, right? Right in the smack dab middle of the circumstance whenever we are hurting and struggling and trying to reason and even asking those questions, why? Why them? Why me? Why now? It's hard for us not to go there. Job had gone through this great trial and he even says, look, it was all from God anyways. The, the air that's filling my, my lungs was created by God. The lungs that are filled with air that are providing oxygen to all the muscles and necessary parts of my body for me to live they're all come from God I make no oxygen of my own I didn't make my lungs my own all of it is from God that's why he says you know what I come into this life with anything on my own and I'm going to leave this life the same exact way so it's God that gives and it's God that takes away he deserves all of the praise this widow got that that we saw last week so again, I think the, the question is, why would she not invest her all into the kingdom of the God who gave her all? Why would she not give it all? Would her giving only be conditional? Would her giving be only based off of her feelings? Well, I don't really feel like doing this right now. I don't really feel like sacrificing this right now. I don't really feel like serving. I don't really feel like going to the temple and doing this right now. Would it be conditional based off of her comfort? What if people see me? What if people talk about me? What if people make fun of the two mites that I know I have to give and God knows my heart? She wasn't motivated by that. It wouldn't control her giving. Would her faithfulness be controlled by those things? Or again, would it be reflective of the giving that God had given to her and not only that, the faithfulness that God had shown to her? You know, I've talked about that before many times that uh, this morning, every single one of us, however it happened for us, whether it was an alarm, whether it was an internal clock, uh, whether it was uh, a spouse or, or, or if you're younger, maybe a parent or whatever, at some point, 
You came out of that unconscious state that we call sleep. And God said, there you go. Another day. I brought you through another night. I, I kept that heart ticking and those lungs breathing and, and that brain working. And, and, and I gave you another night and I'm giving you another day. A good morning. It's a blessing. There you go. Every day of our life, that's how it's been. Now, we get up, and maybe we, we, we dread waking up because we know what's ahead, and we, I wish I would have never woken up because of all the hurt and the trouble and the problems and the trials. I, I wish I would have just stayed asleep. I wish I could just stay in this dark, deep depression. But God's, look, I gave you life. I'm giving you life. I've got a greater purpose than all the circumstances that you're trying to allow to define you. So get up and live the life. Take, take the, the investment that I've given to you Go live it out to the fullest for my kingdom. So ask the question, as you're giving of your all, the investment of your life, what you're doing right now, your family, your time, your talent, your treasure, your job, everything, is it like this widow? Or is it determined? Is it swayed? Is it affected by your feelings, by your circumstances? by your comfort or anything else. I'll go to the temple. I'll go to the church. I'll, I'll serve in that ministry. I'll give. I'll, I'll do. I'll tell. I'll, I'll do that only if I feel like it, if everything's good. The music's not too loud. I'll only, is it conditional? Again, this widow, this poor widow, widow, who had nothing and no one on this earth. She got it. Something clicked in her. She got it. She got that God deserves it all. He deserves it all. And so she gave her all. And I pray that we learn that last week and again reminded this week that God deserves it all. I'm going to move forward this morning and look at the last point and, and again hopefully wrap this up. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this time again. Thank you for allowing us um, this opportunity, Lord, we realize that it's a gift as well. We realize that the, the, the day that you've given us, uh, what a, a great way to spend it as your people gather together in your name to lift your name up and exalt you in song and, and be able to give back to you both in song and, and also tangibly just uh, the, a portion of the, 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 the blessings you've given to us, even financially, Lord. Just, it's a privilege to give to you, the one that has given us everything. Uh, Lord, and even now, give you our attention, give you our hearts, our minds, that your word would, would come in and permeate and change and strengthen and instruct and do whatever you want to do, that your spirit would have full reign in our lives and in this place, God. And I pray that you would just set me aside and use me as a vessel, that you would get all the glory and the honor, and again, that you would speak to each one of us this morning and have your way in that. Lord, if there's someone here that's lost, they've never truly surrendered their life to you, they've never truly given up everything they have to follow you the control of their life, the, 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 the decisions in their life. God, if there's someone here like that, Lord, if they were to die, they wouldn't be 100% sure that they would go to heaven. If there's somebody like that, I pray that they would hear this amazing gospel, this amazing good news, and they would surrender their life to you. That today would be the day of salvation, that they would be born again, they would be transformed, they would be renewed, and, and again, walk out of this place on their way to spend eternity with you. Versus the alternative of spending eternity with your enemy, Satan, in the lake of fire. And so, Lord, I pray 
that you would move now, and we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 21, if you have your Bibles there, we're going to pick up in verse 5. And it says, and, and as some spake of the temple, how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts, he said, now I, I want to stop there, because it's probably in light of Christ's commendation of this widow, that the, the people standing around, I mentioned this in, in the service last week, uh, but these, these people are standing around and hearing Jesus talk about how this widow gave more than all of these other rich people combined. And you got these people standing off and, and, and listening to this, and they're thinking, see, this guy's crazy. We've known it all along. He's crazy. He, this lady's all by herself, and she just gave two mites, and he's talking about how she gave more to them and more than all of these other rich people. I mean, did you see how many thousands of dollars that was given by these people? I mean, look at this temple. Look at the stones. I mean, look at the ornate way that it's designed and built. I mean, it didn't build itself. I mean, this wasn't free. This wasn't cheap. This is a magnificent temple, and to keep it up, to, to keep everything cleaned and straight and, 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 and right for the sacrifices and for the worship. This takes a lot. You know, these people are standing by and, and, and imagining this. And I think they were looking through the lens of a man, though. A, a worldly, a secular worldview, if you will. They were, they were looking at it only as fleshly earthly people they were only looking at the temporal and unfortunately as spiritual as they may have been as as often as they had visited the temple as as much as maybe they had given themselves they were missing that point that they were only focused on the temporal the temporal would have taken care of itself jesus proved that point with the with the widow but they were, they were only focused on the temporal and, and, and his reasoning, his spiritual, his heavenly message about our tangible lives, our, our temporal lives here, wasn't clicking with them. It wasn't resonating with them. And so when he says, she got it, they aren't getting it, they were thinking, no, you're missing it, Christ. These guys are making this all happen. They're giving all this money. This is what it's about. They were looking at the temporal. We know what 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says this. While we look not on the things which are seen, but the things that are not seen. The things which are seen are temporal. Right. The things which are not seen are eternal in the heavens. Right. See, that's what they were looking at. And that's, again, what we can get enamored with, right? Well, let's just be honest. We get up, we, 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 we start getting ready for work, and we're, we're focused mainly on the temporal. We realize that we've got to put on our work clothes, and we've got to go to work, and we've got to do a job, a task, a responsibility, whatever the case may be, to get paid. For what? Because we've got to buy stuff. We've got to buy food. We've got to pay rent. We've got to buy clothes. We've got to do stuff like that. It's a, it's a temporal world we live in. It's a tangible world we live in. But the problem is, is we get focused on that stuff. So Job realized once he had been stripped of all of that stuff, I came in with nothing. I'm leaving with nothing. It's not about the stuff. It's not even about the blessings of my family. Now that is part of the stewardship and the responsibility and the privilege and the blessings of living in this life. But it's not about that. It's how we handle and steward that blessing. 
that's, that's one of the chiefest blessings and responsibilities that we have is our family. And it's the first social uh, relationship that, that the Lord formed. He said, it's not good that man be alone, so I'm going to give him Eve, a woman, as a help me. But in the beginning, it was God with man. And when he gave man what he needed, because it wasn't good that he was alone, his desires for mankind didn't change. Even when he told them, be fruitful and multiply. His, his desire stayed the same. It's about us with him, our relationship with him. These guys here watching Jesus and listening to his, his, his teaching here on the, on the Temple Mount weren't getting it. Look at verse 6. It goes on. It says, uh, Jesus said, as for these things that you're looking at, that you behold, you see, you see all these, this, this ornate, this design, this building, this temple, this amazing structure here. He said, the days will come in which there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Can you imagine that? I mean, I, I, that'd be like standing at, at uh, um, the, uh, uh, the Twin Towers, the World Trade Center, September 10th, 2000. And one. And somebody saying, This is coming down soon. Like, are they going to demolish it? Or, I mean, what? People wouldn't have seen it. They wouldn't, I mean, I know what, what has been discovered then. There's people, there's weaknesses, there's this, there's these threats, all this kind of stuff. But if, if you're standing there looking at the World Trade Center, this massive building, this huge uh, thing, now they've got a new building there, right in that place, and it's even bigger and better and stronger and taller, whatever. I mean, you stand there and say, this is coming down soon. I mean, look at how magnificent it is. Look at the lights and the glass and, the, and everything. It's, it's, it's amazing. Jesus is standing here, and these people are gawking at the temple. They're talking his lesson on money and, and, and stuff like that. And they're like, man, whew, this is awesome. And, he's, and he says, it's all about to come down pretty soon. There's not going to be even one, one of these stones in these massive boulders. If you've been to Jerusalem, if you even Google it, you look, some of the, uh, the, the, the second temple uh, renovated uh, is left with some of the, the massive stones that were there, uh, are there, and that's just like the temple wall, not even the temple structure. But a massive, massive, massive stones. And for, for, for Jesus to say, and the days are coming soon that this thing's coming down and there's not even going to be one stone left upon another. In their minds they're thinking, oh, what? Look at this. You know how long it took to build? You know how many men and how much, I mean, and you're saying that it's coming down soon? There's no way. We don't believe that, it, that, that it's going to happen like that. So maybe in a disbelieving way, look at what they say. They ask them, say, Master, but when shall these things be? When, when is this going to happen? And what, shall, what sign will, be, uh, will there be when these things shall come to pass? And listen what Jesus' answer says. He said, take heed that you be not deceived. Because many are going to come in my name and they're going to say that they're the Christ. And the time draws near, go ye not therefore after them. They're, they're, listen, he said, look, I, you, you say that, that, that you're concerned about this, this temple coming down, but your focus is off. You're missing the point. You need to be focused on the spiritual things because there are coming, there's coming a time 
that people are going to come in my name and they're going to deceive a lot of people because they're going to claim to be me, but they're not me. And then he goes on and says, but here's, here's something for you. When you shall hear of wars and commotions, don't be terrified. For these things must first come to pass. And listen to what he says here. But the end is not by and by. It's not coming immediately. It's not coming at once. So why would he tell them that? I believe he was telling them because of point number three in your notes. He was giving them the reality of the end. The reality of the end. It's coming. That's what he was telling them. Look, you don't, you don't know what's going to happen to you tomorrow, but I'm telling you this. There is a day coming that the end is the end. It's it. That's it. When it, when it comes, it's over. And, you know, and, and he gave them a, a kind of a, a, a preview. He says, there's coming a day when these stones are going to be taken down, uh, and there's going to be wars, and there's going to be rumors of war, and there's going to be commotions, and there's going to be all these things. But listen, that's not the end. The, the end's not yet. This, this is kind of a foreshadowing of the end, but the end is coming. You need to realize there is an end that's coming. So with this, uh, there were some things that it made me think about, uh, about this life and the end of time. And so I, I'll encourage you to jot these down in your notes as well. The first thing, the first truth about the reality of the end is this. Time is, or life is short. Life is short. I mentioned last week that the average lifespan of Americans is uh, 78.74 years. I, I did the math again and got the actual number, 28,470 days. Um, and a little bit more because of the quarter, but I, didn't th I threw that out. But um, 20, 28,470 days. So you can do on average, you know, 365 days. And you can do your years, multiply that, and you can find out how many days you've lived on this earth. And then you take 28,470 and minus that number. And then you'd get the average expected lifespan that you have left i'm halfway there if if that's if that is what god's plan is for me to live out the average lifespan but as i said last week the reality is this it could be today it could be tomorrow i'm not guaranteed to live 78 years neither are you somebody said i've lived 78 years praise god so i've lived past 78 years praise god you beat the average keep going keep trucking for the kingdom of god But the truth is, is life is short. I want to show you a video real quick. I don't know if I've shown this before, but I know I've shown it somewhere. Let's, let's What's going on, man? What's going man? What am I going to look forward to at the end? I'm going to bring an illustration that this is like the first illustration I did. It was 20 years ago, but I can't think of a better way to, to explain it. Um, I actually didn't use a rope back then. I used a, remember, a, remember computer paper when uh, it was all stuck together? and then had the holes on the side that you had to peel off. Remember that? I remember getting a, a roll, and some of you guys have no idea what I'm talking about, which is crazy to me, but, because uh, that was the best, you know? And, um, and it never worked right, because they're rolling things, but, uh, but I, I, had, I remember being a youth pastor, and I put uh, that computer paper all the way around the room, and, uh, but I'm gonna use a rope now, because I can't find that computer paper. Um, imagine this rope, 
Okay, pretend this rope just goes on forever. Okay? Just imagination. Pretend it goes around the world a few times. It doesn't. It ends at the rock. But uh, let's just imagine this thing goes on forever. Now imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence. You just exist forever. You see this red part? This would represent your time on earth. You've got a few short years here on earth, and then you've got all of eternity somewhere else. This is, this is your existence. And what blows me away is some of you, all you think about is this red part. It's all you think about. You're consumed with this. You go, oh man, I can't wait till here. You know, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to save, save, save so I can really enjoy this part right here. And you're consumed with that, and you're thinking, oh, man, am I going to get to travel? Am I going to eat well? Am I going to do this during this part? And I'm like, are you kidding me? What about this? What about this? What about, what about all this stuff? It's, just, it's crazy to me because the Bible teaches that what I do during this little red part determines how I'm going to exist for millions and millions and millions of years forever. And, and so why would I spend this little red part trying to make myself as comfortable as possible, enjoying myself as much as I can? Paul says, look, I'm going to live my life for this mission. I'm going to spend my life, invest my life for this moment when I cross that finish line. See, I'm going to forget about all this stuff I could enjoy, and I'm not going to look around. I'm going to be like a runner just looking at that moment when I face God because when I face him, then I don't get this chance over again. We get one chance at this life on earth, and it can end at any second for any of us. We've got one chance at this, and then comes eternity. And I'm not going to be fooled. I'm not going to spend my life down here. See, people look at some of my decisions and go, oh, you're so stupid because that's going to really affect this. I go, no, you're stupid, because it's going to affect all of this. Man, I, I, I'm serious. I, I, look, I look at the way people live, and I go, wow, that is so crazy. You are so crazy. You're going you're gonna to do that right now, just to enjoy right now, not even knowing if you have tomorrow, and you think that's smart and that I'm dumb. It doesn't make any sense. Paul goes, I'm not going to look around at all this stuff. And it's tempting. It's tempting to all of us. That's what I'm saying. Down here, it's crazy because everyone lives that way. Everyone lives for the red part. No one's thinking about the millions of years afterwards. It's, it's just this crazy deception that we can't get out of our minds. And Paul goes, I'm not doing that. He goes, I keep my eyes on that. I keep my eyes on that finish line. And I'm going to forget what's behind me. I'm not looking around. I'm just going to, I'm straining because I'm straining forward, I'm like stretching forward for that mark. I'm gonna pass this thing. I'm gonna live this out, and I'm gonna face him. I'm gonna come before the judges, and he's gonna hand me that trophy. He goes, I'm gonna get it, and I haven't gotten there yet. He goes, but you better believe I'm using every muscle, exerting every bit about me, because I'm gonna pass that line well. Amen. I hope that we're not living just for the red part. And, and that's what Jesus was saying. Life is short. There's an end coming. Is it, you, you look at all the stuff around. You look at this temple. You see all of these things, and, and, it, and you're enamored by it. You're enamored by the stuff, and, and, and you're living for all of this. But, 
There's coming a time that it's going to be gone. It's going to be over. Truth is this, we can put a number on our days, as I said a while ago. I mean, even if we don't live to the average lifespan of, of American of 78 years, 28,470 days, even if we don't, whenever we do stop, that, that number can be numbered. We can put a number on it. Well, they live 20,000 days. Our days are numbered. Job chapter 14, verse 1 says, Man that's born of a woman is a few days. And he also speaks the truth and full of trouble. Our days are few and full of trouble, you know. I mean, that, that's it. Job, Job was being honest here. This is the reality. He cometh forth like a flower, and he's cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow, and continueth not. And dost thou open thine eyes upon such a one, and bringest me into judgment with thee? Who can bring a clean thing out of the unclean? Not one. Seeing his days are determined. The number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. So there's a day. Yes. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 20 says, it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. There's a day coming for every single one of us. There's an end. There's an end of time. The reality again is, is that time or life is short. Psalm chapter 39 verse 4 says, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days what it is that I may know how frail I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as a handbreadth. That's how you've made my days. Just, you can measure it. Short. And mine age is as nothing before thee. Think about that. I mean, look, we live 150 years old, and that's nothing compared to the eternal God. That's nothing compared to eternity. I mean, what is our, and again, I think Francis had it right when he said, man, we toil and we, we worry all about this. I'm going to work really hard for this, this, this time right here so I can save, 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 and so I can really have this last sliver of these last 5, 10, 15 years of my life where I can travel and do all these things that I want to do. And, and, it, and it just makes, makes you want to think, why? Why? Who gave you that? I mean, if you knew that you had that much time left, why would you not strain for the finish line for the kingdom of God? Why wouldn't you run even harder for the kingdom of God? My time's getting even shorter. I, I have less time. I have less days. My, that, that day's approaching. I've got to give more for the kingdom of God than I've ever given before. Scripture says in Psalm 90, verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Help us to realize that our days are few, that we can put a number on them. And so let us then say, you know what? I'm going to apply my, I'm going to be wise with the time God's given me. You know, it's so interesting whenever uh, we, we, our, our girls, we, uh, uh, they, they get, uh, now especially Avery, she's getting a little older, um, you know, get birthday money or Christmas money or something like that. And, and with... Um, um, with mom and dad, it's, it's, I want this, I want that, and, 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 and thinks that just rains, right? I mean, just, I want that. Right. But then when it's, but when it's, when it's hers, when she has got this as a gift, as a, as a, uh, it's hers, something changes. The steward, the mind of the steward changes, right? 
The same thing when you have to work or you have to earn something, it changes, right? And, um, and so I, I think if we were to do that with our life, things might be different. If we stop thinking that, oh, well, God's just going to keep raining all these blessings and I'm just going to do what I want to do, and it, instead of realizing God has entrusted us, and, and this is a gift to us. This is now ours. We have to steward. What am I going to do with it? You consider the decisions a little more, right, Avery? You, you think about, I really want those, those sandals. I really want those shoes. I really want that shirt. I don't know if I want to spend my money. <laughs> Mommy, will you buy it for me? <laughs> but that's kind of how the, the, the mindset in our life goes sometimes, too. We need to realize this has been an investment God's given me, and I, I need to, I need to apply my time is short. I need, to, I need to take this and steward it well and steward it wisely. Second thing is eternity is long. Eternity is long. The definition of eternity, I put it on the screen, is infinite or unending time. It's a state to which time has no application. Timelessness. In theological terms, it means endless life after death. The reality is, the reality of the end is that time is short, but eternity is long. Whatever happens after this life, whatever the day that is, that appointment we have with death happens, it is over, it is done, it's final, and then it's eternity. That rope that went on forever. That's it. It's long. Time on this earth is so short. That's why the Apostle Paul was inspired by the, by the Holy Spirit to write in, in, Thessalonians, uh, in the book of Thessalonians. He said this, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Use it up, purchase, uh, spend wisely the time you've been given. Matthew chapter 25, verse 46, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment. But the righteous to life eternal. There's only two destinations. Everlasting punishment for those who reject Jesus Christ. Life eternal for those who accept him. Either way, it's eternal. Either way, there is no time there. It's timeless. Number three is this. The reason I share this is because it is so needed. Hell is real. This is, this is something that a lot of people even today don't, don't like to think about because we live in a society, especially with a millennial generation that's growing up, that, that, that we went to a, uh, um, uh, a conference this week again, and um, there's um, a, a guy who spoke, and he was talking about this uh, YouTube video that many of you probably have, uh, have seen, and it's a guy doing four parts, uh, singing one song, and it's called uh, Millennial, right? Some of, you, some of you seen that? Nobody, nobody seen that? Okay, yeah, some of you seen that. If you haven't, maybe I'll show you sometime. But uh, it, it talks about this, the generation of the millennials that we're dealing with, and one of the things they point out is this, this is the generation that came along that you get, a, you get a trophy just for participating, right? Now, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, and we, we played, you know, peewee ball, and everybody got a trophy for playing, but it was not like the champion's trophy. Trophy. 
The champion's trophy was different. You had to win the championship to get that trophy. You had to, you had to work for it. You had to play as a team. You had to, you had to earn that. But this generation's grown up and say, you know what? There's not really any winners. Everybody's a winner because everybody participates. And, and, and here's what it is. This, it is a lie of the world. It's a, it's a lie of the enemy. And, and, and even in Scripture, the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to say, run that you may win. You're striving for something. You're, you're, you're striving to, to win for the Lord and his kingdom. There's also a reward to reject Jesus Christ, and that's hell. It's what the, the unrighteous, those who say no to Jesus, will look forward to. Luke chapter 16. I'm not going to read all of it, but uh, you can read it. Many of you are familiar with it. It talks about a, a, a rich man that had, the, had it all in this life. And there was a poor man, a beggar, who was laid at his gate full of sores, and they both died. One was carried to Abraham's bosom, the other was carried to hell. In verse 23, it says, And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. It goes on in verse 24 to say that if you can just send Lazarus to dip his finger in water and cool my tongue, and the reason why is he said this, I'm tormented in this flame. Hell is real. Hell is real and it's eternal. It's not some mystical, mythical thing. It's not something that is imagined up by people who wanted to force you to, to believe Jesus Christ. It's a reality that lies beyond this life for those who reject Jesus. It's real. Jesus was trying to tell these people there that the end is coming. The time is short. Eternity is long. The hell is real. Number four is that heaven is worth it. Heaven's worth it. Jesus says in, uh, in John chapter 14, he says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And then he says this, I go to prepare a place for you. I, I don't know about you, but when I look around this world and I see the, the, the majesty, sometimes you can get captivated, right? Whether you're driving through the mountains or driving through uh, wooded areas or, or you're staring. Uh, you know, people have told me, I haven't been there yet, I'd like to go. But the, the, the Grand Canyon standing there and, 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 and wondering and awe at, at this amazing thing we call creation. Or if it's simply looking at your baby or your grandbaby's face or your husband or your wife. And, and you're thinking, man, thank God that he gave me favor and gave me my wife like I believe. I, uh, praise God that he's, he's, he's given me this. And, 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 and we look at the creation of God and we think, man, this is awesome. God came to earth and he says, look, I'm preparing a place for you. I'm designing it. I'm crafting it. I'm, 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 I'm putting it all together. And, and what's going to happen is I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you to be with me that where I am, you can be also. That's an amazing thought. Heaven is worth it. Some people say, I just don't know if I'm going to give up my, What? I mean, hell is real. It's tormenting. It's eternal. It's never-ending. And, and, and then there's this alternative place that's going to be with God forever in a place that he's preparing and designing for us personally. It's worth it. Heaven is worth it. And the last thing as the musicians make their way is this. Jesus is the only way to heaven. He's the only way. As I said, he, he already said that himself. He came to this earth. God came to this earth in flesh. And he said, I am the way. The truth and the life. There's nobody, no one, no matter how good 
who you're born to, where you're born, what you have. No man can come to the Father but by me. Only by Jesus Christ. Now I want you to understand something. This was around 30 AD that Jesus was telling these people they're staring at that temple. Guess what happened 40 years later? 40 years later, the Roman government came in and destroyed Jerusalem. Tore down the temple, it was destroyed. And the words that Jesus spoke to those Jews and those who may have been living there, or may even pass it on to their kids and passed on, those words rang true. This is what Jesus said was going to happen. It's been a long time. We thought maybe it was going to come, but he told us that it wasn't going to come immediately, that it was coming soon, that we need to be prepared. That message should still resonate with us 2,000 years later. It's coming. The end is coming. And we may think, well, what if we have 40 more years like they had? You realize that that's still just a little tiny sliver on that red when you compare it to all of the white on that rope. The end is not by and by. The end is not yet. But in mentioning the end, Jesus was saying, there is one. There is an end. Life's going to be over for all of us at some point. And I, I will say this some point soon, because even if it's another 30, 40, 50 years, 60, 70, 80 years, that's still soon compared to eternity. My question is this, what are you going to do with the rest of your time? What are you going to do with the rest of the days that you have left over? Let me ask you this, Christian. Are, are you making a mark or will you make a mark for the kingdom of God with the rest with the rest of the days you have left so you know what I I honestly am not living like it is the very end and I don't know that I'm my life is laid down as a vessel and making that mark that it could be making for God's kingdom right now the only one that can change that is us We have to be real because life is short. We have to be real because eternity is long. We have to be real because heaven and, he and hell are real. We're living like we're ready for the end. Are you ready for the end? I know so many times we think when we're younger, I don't, I don't want to die early because I want to get married. I want to have kids. I want to have a job. I want to do this. I want to do that. I think sometimes when we get older, we start thinking, well, I don't not ready to go now because as Christian, responsible Christians, sometimes we think I'm not doing everything I could do for the kingdom. I'm not giving my all like I could. I honestly am kind of striving for that comfort area instead of striving for giving my all. And I want to challenge you this morning. Let's make sure that we're not holding back. Let's press toward the mark. You know, that first church in Acts they ran out of the blocks like a relay race. Like they, they were in it to win it. That, that's what they did. 
They, they ran and, 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 and they laid down their all. They, they were together. They were unified. And man, souls were being saved and the church was exploding. They were running passionately together for one cause, with one heart, with one mind. And they started out strong. And through the, through the race of the years, the 2,000 years that the church has been in existence, there's been times that, that the, the batons have been passed off to the next generation, the next relay, uh, leg of the relay. And some have taken the baton and ran harder and faster and, and stronger. And, and God, and, and awakenings have happened. And thousands of people have been saved. And the church has done amazing things. But then there's been times that the baton has been passed to the next, next leg of the race. And instead of a sprint, they thought it was a, 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 a marathon. Well, we've got time. We've, we've got a lot of time. We're just going to pull back some and not try to pull a, a hamstring. We're not going to give our all. And I'm just concerned that the anchor leg that we're running, because that's what I believe we're running, I believe this generation is the anchor leg that's supposed to be giving our all because we're, we're the ones going to take the baton across the finish line. I, I think that we're the ones that are thinking we've got more time. And it's not. It's here. The finish line is it's here in our in our generation there's not time there's no mindset there's no heart set left for us to say well, we don't have to give our all no it's time for us as a church as the anchor leg for the kingdom of god to run it as hard as we can and give our all this widow can do that two thousand years ago who are we to not do that two thousand years later what's holding you back if you're here and you've never trusted Christ, and you're not a part of the race, you're not a, a, a part of the kingdom, and you, you think, well, man, he's talking about hell and torments, and, and we didn't get into everything I could get into this morning, but the alternative's clear. If you've never given your life to Christ, you'll spend it, all of your eternity in hell. But the door's still open. There's still time for you right now. I don't know what happens after this service. I don't know what lies beyond these walls. But right now, the door's open. And if you've never given your life to Christ, you can take advantage of that opportunity right now. And you can accept that free gift of eternal life that only comes through Christ. You can accept that forgiveness that only is given through the blood of Jesus Christ. You can enter into eternal life to the resurrection that Jesus was the first fruits of today. So we don't know what lies beyond these walls. We don't know, low, know what lies beyond today. I encourage you to come. We'll have a couple men down here. And let them show you out of God's word, not what I say, out of God's word, what it says that you need to do to be saved, to go to heaven for all of eternity. I'm begging you, don't let this opportunity pass. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity to come before you again. Thank you for your word. And thank you for this reminder, Lord, that the end is coming, and it's coming soon. And I pray that we would take these, these realities that time is short and eternity is long. Hell's real. Heaven's worth it. And help us go out of this place different. I, I don't know what it's going to take to motivate us, Lord, as this generation, this last leg of the race. I don't know what it is, but you do, Lord. And I pray that we would grab hold of it before something shakes us, Lord. I pray that we would have the, the stewardship to, to run as hard as we could before tragedy or something 
comes along to shake us out of our comfort. Lord, help us have the fortitude and the wisdom to do it ourselves. And we'll praise you for that, Lord. We ask you to move in Jesus' name.